Hello, everybody out there. This is Kip Etter with Powder and String Outfitters coming to you from downtown Wellington, Kansas. You know, Powder and String Outfitters, we pride ourselves in being your hometown shop. Um, today, um, I've got two more of our pro staffers. I've got Jeff Rawls and Kevin Bruski, Bruski, did I say that right? Did I, did I did I butcher it? Nope, you did yeah. pretty good. Yeah, all right. Well, they, they call him they call him both Bruski, Bruski. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. There. All right, I, I think I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. These two guys, if... uh, you know, we were just kind of joking around here just a, f- a few minutes ago before we got started. But um, Kevin's in the process of moving and 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 slash build a new house, and and um, I met Kevin through Jeff, and Jeff reached out to me here. Oh, I don't know, it's probably been a month or a month and a half ago, and said, "Hey, um, you know, down there at the shop, you got any place where you can put up a couple of mounts?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, I got." you know i got some empty walls this you know we started the the powder and string um well originally we know we started it it was just going to be open three days a week and it was going to be by myself and for those of you that have listened you know to our previous podcast you kind of have had the picture painted to you but it's definitely grown beyond that but this old building when, when we started was just a it was an eye doctor's uh, building an optometrist and so there's several different rooms that that were just here if you will that chopped up the building a little bit and so we're sitting in that, um, and and we just um, you know started this podcast, um, and and we felt we wanted to get it out and get it started right away. Um, we just felt like it was something that we we wanted to add to the the, the continuation development of the shop, um, and so we're kind of in a temporary room set up right now, and and so I I meet Kevin down here at the shop. I think it was on a Sunday or a Monday, and 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 we're closed on those days, and and uh, when I say he had. He had a few mounts. I think he's got just in this room. He's got like twelve or fifteen or something like that. You can't count. I mean, and and when I tell you, uh, Dylan, our podcast guy over here, he said coming to you live from a room with thirty five hundred inches of bone and antler, and and it's not an exaggeration. I mean, we're looking at um, some deer that are just. I mean, well, ninety five percent of the hunters out there, these are deer of a lifetime, and these guys collectively amongst the, the, the two of them have, have, have harvested these deer. How many years would you say of, of hunting? Have you guys, you know, shot these deer? How many, how long has been, uh, how long you been telling lies? And, and uh, Well, I've been bow hunting for about 41 years. Yeah? Uh, yeah. So I shot my first um, Pope and Young deer that would make the books in 85. Okay. So. And, and. Your have you are these all shot with a with a string? Are these all yeah. archery kills? Yeah, yes, sir. Jeff. Same. How would tell us? Yeah, I've been about forty years. I've been since I started archery hunting, and uh, yeah, I can say we what we got in here between Kevin and I, and of course there's a few of my daughter's deer in here as well. But you know, we this is probably a third of what we have 
in total between the, the two and, of us. And for the viewers, um, we'll we'll post a couple of pictures. But I mean, we're talking nice deer. But I wanted to bring these guys on um, just so that way that we could just have them talk a little bit about about hunting and 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 I think Jeff, you also had said this isn't even all of them. Well, yeah, we, this is kind of we. Well, the the big ones aren't even here, so we kind of kept the big ones at the farm. <laughs> wow, that makes me that makes me feel like a like an amateur. I mean, I am, but wow. Yeah, I think. Well, we got there at the farm. I think. Well, we got Kevin's got three in that two hundred class range, and I've got one that's well into that in the two thirties, and then you know I got a couple that are right in that you know mid 190s range so monsters Those absolute all, monsters yeah they're we basically turned my farm into a into a hunting cabin we're we started doing some outfitting here a couple of years ago rawls outfitters is what we've named it and uh basically we did that just to do a couple of different things one was to kind of get some more income to expand our footprint on hunting properties and the other was to help manage what we have and so the way we're doing it you know it's a it's kind of a unique deal and the guys that come in the hunters that we have i kind of tell them up front you know this isn't your typical outfitting business we're we're full-time hunters ourselves you know as much as we can be and this is our hunting property that we've hunted for years in between so us. You're, you're letting them into the honey hole yeah exactly and so in order to keep it that way we're going to be pretty selective on what we shoot and maintain the quality of the herd that we have on our properties so jeff you just you just touched base there on on letting them grow um that's kind of one of the things i kind of wanted to talk about is you know we we put on a, our social media page on Facebook and and uh, Instagram a video that you guys had of a deer from last year, and I mean in my book <laughs> that dude's getting shot. Yeah, well last and, year he was a year too young. Um, just looking at the video, you know we were guessing him in the one seventies last year. Yeah. And he was passed up three times, two or three times. Three at least. Yeah. Um, so it may seem unrealistic, but if our guess is correct, that deer put on almost 40 inches of bone from last year to this year. And you know that because? He's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that seems, you know, I've always um, – you know, I've, I've heard people talk about it and read, you know, it's nothing, you know, a deer with good nutrition could put on 20 to 25 inches of antler from one year to the next. But, well, you know, we're pretty confident that this one put on at least 35, maybe 40. You know, we, we're just guessing at what he was last year from the video. But, you know. I mean, you guys, we're, we're sitting, like I said, a few minutes ago we're sitting in a room with some massive deer and so year in year out you guys know you guys know bone you know antler you know what those deer score 
And so, I mean, I can tell you when when these guys are making a, a, a lack of better terms, a guesstimate, or it's going to be pretty dang close. Yep. And so, what I can also tell you is is that um, I've seen um, not from one seventy to two hundred plus, but I've seen from you know one thirty to you know, 170 or 140 to 180. I've seen that happen. Um, and, and in order to do that, I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee. I mean, this isn't like a cattle ranch where you're, you know, you got the pins up and they're not going anywhere. You know, the guy next, next to you, you know, he can blast him. There's roads, you know, Kansas, we've got a road every mile on the mile for the yeah. most part, you know, we were pretty fortunate this deer didn't get shot last year. We're hit by a car anything you know? i mean uh, moved off to another property i mean <clears throat> yeah, we, we've done this over and over you know we've passed these deer up you, you can look at them you know uh, you know obviously over the years we've figured this out but you can look at a deer and look and, and see kind of what he looks like tell he's a younger buck and you can see what kind of horn growth he has and you're looking at that thing man he's got some potential so yeah let's lay off of that one and it works about, I'd say, thirty to forty percent of the time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I was, that was a question I was going to ask you. Thirty, forty percent of the time, and along those those lines, you guys are using a lot of different tools and resources. So you're not just, um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in 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 these podcasts is is scouting. So trail cameras. I mean, you guys are running. I'm assuming you're running trail cameras. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and do you run them? I'm also assuming you're not just running those trail cameras from, you know, two weeks before season to to whenever you shoot the deer and then you're then you're shutting your cell camera uh, you know, subscription off. No, it's actually just buzzed. Yeah. I'm getting pictures right now. So Yeah. We we start setting them setting them up in <clears throat> August. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, we'll start putting them putting them out in August and uh kind of get an idea of what we got. Of course the the bucks are still growing their horns then, but we can see, you know, and tell, man, this is going to be a good one, you know. You know right. So, um, and we'll leave them, leave them up till probably March mm -hmm. to see what we have left, you know, see if yeah. they're still around. Yeah. And, uh, and the way that the the season here in Kansas is set up, so bow season, um, well, heck, now I think it starts clear back in like September, doesn't it? Something like yes. that. It's too early for me. It's too hot and yeah. ticks and all that. Mosquitoes. I mean, now I don't know if I had if I had a you know. A booner, one eighty or something out there, boy, I might yeah. might change that. But, but you know, you go from there, and 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 then uh, this year here in Kansas, rifle season started early. It was actually started in the end of November, which yeah, normally November thirtieth, I think. Yeah, and I, normally yeah. it's yeah. Oh, we're sitting here with three guys that are they're you know bow hunters, um, actually four if you got Dylan, four bow hunters, and we're scratching our head on rifle. I personally have only shot one deer ever with with a gun. Um, I was hunting on a on a farmer's ground up up in the northern part of the state, and he said, "If if you're going to shoot the one holers, you got to shoot the two holers." And so he had a nuisance tag. Right, and I, yeah. So I shot one, but but generally the season starts towards the very start of the the very beginning of December for rifle, and or the very end of November, and then it runs for roughly about just about two weeks. Doesn't Ten it? days. Ten days. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's twelve, isn't it? It, it, it starts on it a Wednesday and ends on a Sunday, so it'll be twelve days. Yeah, yeah. So, and then during that time frame, um, again showing showing our age, it used to be that you you only could hunt with a rifle during that time, but now you can actually still 
bow hunt, but you have to wear blaze orange just as, yes. as well. Yeah. Obviously Basically, want to. once bow season opens, it doesn't end until December 31st. Yeah, and then after that, then they have uh, leftover tags, or you can still use the tag that you had um, to to harvest a non-antlered deer clear into to January in some units. Right. Um, so you kind of, you know, we, 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 we give that, that, that lay that out for our listeners to kind of tell them what made it through the gauntlet. You know, that's kind of the, that's at least that's what we term as the gauntlet. Did they make it through? And, and, you know, did your, did that, that big deer that for most people is a 100% shooter for, for guys like you, you know, you two, you're, did he make it through? So without having the, the, the use of those tools that are out there, the, you know, the game cameras and, you know, binoculars and spotting scopes and, and all of that kind of stuff, you're not going to know that. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's frustrating too. you. You sit there and you put all this time and effort into that and you get, you get one, you pass up and it, it makes it through. And then you see it late in the season and before it drops its horns and then, you get all excited about what it's going to look like the next year, and then you don't ever see it again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you never Man, know what would that one have been. It, it happens that way too, but I mean, it's going to get hit by a car. It's one of them deals, you know. I've had a guy tell me a long time ago. He said, "You're not going to shoot a shoot a 180 if you shoot a 170, and by, you know, just keeps going down the chain or you're, above, you're, you're increasing you know? your odds. Yeah, increasing so, your right, odds. Right, and then you know, from that, then you know, nutrition. I mean, yeah. they got you know these they're they're an animal they have to eat and sure and so you know with regards to feeders and stuff like that i know you guys use you know use feeders yep. and you know with regards to supplements and nutrition you guys want to what what do you guys use for that and how what's that look like for you you know we've done we've tried a little bit of everything i mean we've tried blocks and salt and minerals and you know protein and straight corn and we've tried a lot of different things and I'll tell you what's what's kind of interesting that we've figured out too is and I shouldn't I should know this because I I you know been in the cattle business and stuff too and so we've had cattle I grew up in western Kansas and I've got a farm in eastern Kansas where my grandparents you know farm and stuff and of course I've got land here and had cattle here and you watch the the gains these cattle put on in different areas of the state and they've always they always gain best out west and you'd think that's kind of weird because that's where the less grass is you Mm -hmm. know but the grass out there is a whole lot shorter you know there's less moisture that stuff contains a whole lot more protein in a small amount of forage and so they have to eat a you know they still have to have a belly full Right. Before they quit eating. So they'll eat a whole lot more of that higher protein forage because of the lower conditions of of moisture in western Kansas than what it takes around here or even eastern Kansas. And deer are the same way. And so you'll see in drought years like we just had. Yeah, and we, we had a drought, a, you, a, 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 in a very sizable one. Every time so far that we've had drought years, that's when we see these 200-inch bucks. Well, that's that was something I wanted to kind of, you know, I was going to hit on. Is, is You'd that, think it would be the opposite. But yeah, but. it boils back to that concept of, you know, the grass is shorter, the, the stuff, the grains are stressed, they're shorter, they're smaller, they got higher amounts of protein in that feed. So those deer are taking in more protein because they're eating more volume because there's less volume out there to 
you know, size-wise in the plant, and they'll they'll actually do better in a, in a year like that around here. I was talking to a buddy, buddy of mine back home, and this was really early in the season, and he was telling me that um, his property he just bought a couple of years ago, and in that area – um, this year he had on camera more big bucks and he's bigger bucks than he's ever seen in that area. And with this drought and everything, he, Very you know, so, and, and I don't know if it's got anything to do with it, but I, I want to say something about the, uh, the horns. We've seen a lot of deer this year with busted off horns, all their tines are busted off. Mm -hmm. Maybe a main beam's busted off. I I don't know if I've ever seen this many bucks with busted horns, you know. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the drought or the, you know, it's it it's beyond me why, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously correlated. I'm sure. I mean, there's 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 a correlation between the, you know, your protein levels and your mineral levels as well. You know, I think you know you're you may be lacking some minerals, you know, yeah. that they could be getting. So, and to hit on something like that, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we talk to customers here in the shop and we kind of, kind of talk to them about, you know, supplements and, and, you know, we sell feeders and, and, you know, we have um, supplements and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, what, what we kind of recommend is, and, and it's kind of along the lot, same logic of what, you know, you'd hit on Jeff is, is this, that, that that deer is very similar to any other you know livestock and and for that matter you know there's there are deer farms that you know raise them as a you know as a livestock and and other game you know game animals if you will um and it is about supplements it's about nutrition and if you can give the 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 deer population the best set them up for success the best way they possibly can give them what they need out there then they're going to be set up the best for success. And then to take it another step, you know, we kind of talked talk to them about, you know, I think we all three can sit here and say, you know, you you take a, a cornfield and, and this area has kind of changed with regards to the farming practices. I, I mean, I can remember, you know, back when I first started hunting that we we had – we would just die for, you know, an alfalfa field or I mean, cornfields just didn't even exist around here. Right. It was all wheat. And then when you start, you know, now you see a lot more of them, but they'll have, you'll have a big cornfield here. And if it's, if we're getting a lot of rain, those big deer, they're just going to hang out in that cornfield. They won't, they will not come out of that uncut cornfield. that's six foot tall because they got water, they got feed and they're not moving. They're lazy. Covered. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. maybe they're not lazy, maybe they're smart, or whatever combination of both. But yeah. but they got cover and they got food. Why are they going to move? Yeah. Yep. And so you know, if you can set up them, set them up for success, especially probably in years like like this here where we have this drought, um, man, that's that's you know, you're setting yourself up for success. You're trying to keep put as many variables in your in your um, I guess in in your favor in your play that you possibly can. Um, yep. And and I think that that goes you know to to full circle is is you know managing your game managing your properties, um, you know, you guys with regards to I mean you can't own all the ground everywhere, neighbors. Yep. You got, uh, you're always got to struggle with neighbors and poachers and oh poaching you know uh, varmints and you it. name it. But you know, I always thought having one big piece of land would be the best thing to have to be able to manage your your deer and, and it is 
on that property. Mm-hmm. But I think it's almost better to have pieces strung out all over the place in along you know a distance because mm-hmm. you know we can have a good deer over here and have nothing over here 20 30 miles or 50 miles somewhere else mm-hmm. so it's almost but then you got the problem of like you say the neighbors and every you know whoever else may be right beside you but it's it's a catch-22 you know when you go to try to manage a deer i mean it's all about having everybody on the same page or you're gonna you know you're risking like i said earlier getting 30 to 40 percent return on on what you pass up so yeah and and again just you know like i said sitting sitting here in this room um you guys have both shot 200 class deer i'm not you know i'm i'm still waiting to to break into the 180s i i actually have i have one that i've shot but i don't consider him one that i shot because i didn't find him for a while and it was an early season and i think i ended up hindsight being 2020 and playing it all out i think i made a decent shot on him but it was just so much cover and i was one of i'd only been hunting for a few years so i was inexperienced and i ultimately found him um but i don't consider i've got him you know his horns but i don't consider it when i shot but um you know by no by by no stretch of imagination he was a nice deer but you know what's a big deer to you guys and what's big deer to other people is two different things so do you guys work with talk to try to try to make friends with the neighbors or do you just keep it keep, you know mum's the word both right <laughs> fill them out yeah okay it depends on who they are yeah. and what you know you get to know your neighbors you just gotta hope that that you know the people who have ground around you are, are gonna try to manage their deer the way we do and <clears throat> let the younger deer go um i mean I mean, the deer I got this year is a perfect example. Yeah, let's talk Probably about that Probably 10 out deer. of 10 guys would have shot that deer last year. Man, yeah. It, you know, over 170 inches. But, you know, it's like Jeff said, that deer had a lot of potential, and he was still a year young, you know. And look at all the horn that he put on this year versus last year. Well, we'd have never known that if he had got shot last year. So. Mm-hmm. And you got him this year. Mm-hmm. We got a picture yeah. of it up on our social media. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big grin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's so two things right there. It, it sounds like you guys hold each other accountable and kind of come together. And you know, I think you know, speaking for, only from my experience, if you know, if I'm there hunting just with myself, boy, I don't have. And I've got other people that I'll share a picture with. And say, hey, what do you think? It, just like everybody, what, what do you think this deer is? Whatever. Right. And, but if I'm hunting with somebody else, and they're like, all right, we made a decision that that one's a pass. You know, we're <laughs> past. And then all of a sudden, he comes walking down through there, and you get that buck fever, and you're like, oh my god, that guy's, he's bigger. But you've already made that promise. So, I mean, is that 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 help with that? Maybe because takes willpower. Man, I'm yeah. going to tell you. Well, I tell you, you know, like I said, we've started this outfitting deal, so we got the same deal with our customers. It's like, hey, this deer. If you see this deer, do not shoot it. And that that deer that Kevin shot. Actually, that video is a video. That video came from one of my hunters that was from Connecticut. Okay, and I told him before he went in there, "If you see this deer, do not shoot it." And he was he was dying. I can only thing. imagine coming <laughs> from Connecticut. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, to you he, hear about Kansas deers? Did it walk by him once? It walked by him twice. He was out there doing. He was out there doing a dance, and yeah. so. But that's what it takes, you know, and, and I've tell these guys that come in, it's like, look, this is our rules. If you can't follow them, you won't be back because right. 
in order to shoot this class of deer, you got to be able to, you know, make this stuff happen. So, you know, we've been fortunate. I mean, you get a guy that, you know, on occasion, well, we had some this year. They were hunting in one of our properties in Oklahoma, and and uh, he seen a, he was they they were good hard hunters, and uh, they knew do good bucks. They ended up shooting one really nice buck that was a, a whopper. I don't know, he had twenty points or so, I think, yeah, on him. He's but, probably around one seventy five. Yeah, yeah one seventy five, one eighty, somewhere in yeah. that range. But he uh, he was a nice buck. And uh, they saw a couple other really nice, you know, Boone, Boone Crockett Booners. Style. Yeah, Booners. But they had one go into some brush, you know, run into some brush the dough, and it was getting late. And then he, here come out the other end, and he shot. And, of course, they were rifle hunting and mm-hmm. distance and low light and ends up shooting a, a young, nice 10-point that he thought mm-hmm. was the deer he saw go in. Yeah. So. You got problems like that that'll happen on accident, you know, and you unfortunately that's going to happen. But right, you can't control all the elements, but you try to control what you can. Yeah, you can only do so much. Like I say, it's a it's a law of averages. You're going to have a a percentage of things work for you. you Put just, yourself in the best position to, to yeah. get what the desired outcome is. Absolutely, but yeah. if you don't do it, it's not going to. That's work, why period. it's hunting. So, right. if it was just that easy, we wouldn't be sitting here talking, trying to trying to share our you know, your knowledge, our knowledge with, with, you know, our listeners out there and trying to give them what, what at least what's worked for us or you guys right here. I, I'm trying to be a part of the group, the, the cool kids group. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, that's just part of it too. I mean, you got to be a dedicated hunter. I mean, yeah. you got to be able to get in your stand early, you know, don't, you know, you can't come in there at freaking daylight you know, there's. I can't tell you how many times we'll be in a stand and we'll see the, a neighbor come in an hour after we've already been there or mm. even longer, sit there, and then they'll leave 30 minutes an hour before we're even close to getting out, you know, and all that does is educate deer. You know, you, you're going to bump deer, you're, they're gonna, you're going to educate them, and, and that creates, you know, the chances of you not getting a big deer because those big deer are smart and they big got, for a reason. There you go. They got big and smart for a reason. So let's just touch base on that a little bit with regards to what what is your typical what's your typical day look like um, with regards to if you're let's say you're hunting for yourself, you're you guys are trying to shoot your target number one one buck that you got out there, number, you know, one of your top three you got or whatever your scenario is, and you guys are going you know when do you get to the stand when do you leave and i know that's probably going to change obviously with rut and all that stuff but let's just say early season you know we've got down into the 50 degree or you know weather what and and i guess to back up a step when do you sit in a stand first if you got a 200 on on camera are you going out in september we haven't we usually wait till basically around halloween because around here just so the listeners know september around here it i mean and this year we were in that drought we had 100 degree days into october right well now early season is really an excellent time to hunt a big deer you can pattern them all they're doing is eating drinking and bedding when the rut starts they're just all over the place yeah i mean they're just they don't have a pattern during the rut um, so you guys, you guys, so you guys start hunting sometime in mid to late October. 
Yeah, late, late October. Late October, yeah. okay. I mean, I, I'm not against hunting early. I just haven't done it. <laughs> right. I have uh, actually um, shot a couple of deer. <clears throat> I shot one on October the 11th back home. That's That was several years ago, and then I shot another one. You say one. back home? Oh, uh, back in uh, – that's when I lived down around Parsons. Okay. Yeah, in so Alcamon in Kansas. area. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I shot another one on the 21st. A really nice one. I shot another good one. Matter of fact, the first one I killed that made the book in '85, I shot him on October 29th. But um, so you obviously have a Rolodex memory in your head. Biggest deer you ever shot? What do you know? What day it was? Calendar. Yeah, it was November the 16th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Again, yeah, the go, one go was, back uh, on another one of my 200s network. was. Uh, uh, November the 17th of, uh, 19 or 2009, I mean, and then, uh, another one was November the 2nd, um, of 2012. Okay. Jeff, I'm assuming very similar experiences, you know, you, 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 you don't, cause you guys hunt together, but probably the same situation. You're not, you're not going to go sit in the stand, you know, in September, you know, I haven't. I I did when I was young and early on, and of course learned the hard way. That was a tough way of hunting. And if it, you know, if you see a, if we see a big buck, if it were to be a daylight daylight pictures in September, October, we'd probably go hunt it. And then going going back to the tools, I've got a really good friend of mine, one of my closest dearest friends, lives up in the northern part of the state, and he shot. Um, which at the time is about this has been about seven or eight years ago at the time made the top 10 here in kansas this thing was an absolute giant wow. mm-hmm. i mean just a monster and yeah. uh it was archery and he has um he was lucky enough he had the, the sheds for the last three and a half years of this and trail cameras i mean sa- same echoing the same things that you're saying with regards to the management of his farm area um, and he, he had every set of sheds except for one year, and a neighbor had that shed. Um, and this was one of them deer that everybody talked about. Everybody knew what the deer was. Everybody, you know, Mr. Big, you know, he gets he, he gets a, a trail camera picture, and this deer had been 100% nocturnal his entire life. He never had a picture, and, and later on he learned from neighbors that nobody, none of the other neighbors had pictures of this deer ever. He was a middle-of-the-night deer. And then all of a sudden he gets a picture and with time change and the sun, you know, you know, change of, of, of it coming up, this dude ends up, he's like five minutes from, from shooting time. And so then the next day he's looking at his phone and the weather and the forecast and the weather's wrong. Wind's, wind's wrong direction, everything. And then the third day, and, and sure enough, here comes this dude talking about pattern. Here comes, you know, this dude and same spot and, and it's right during, you know, he's two or three minutes after shooting time or whatever. And then the next day, the third day, this deer, same wind direction was going to be bad and everything. He couldn't hunt it. And, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, but he didn't want to bust the deer out there because he was in a pattern clearly. And so, um, he didn't plan on hunting and he got up in the middle of the night, looked at his phone and it had changed. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to go. And then he overslept and oh. he literally got out there. He, you know, he said, I had to make the call whether or not I wanted to go. I was, it was still way before shooting time, but I knew that I was going to be cutting it close. So he said, you know, I hot-tailed it, got there, said just had literally got an arrow knocked, and here comes dude right on a string. 
and mm-hmm. he huh. finished the deal. And I mean, this guy's just this this dude's just a monster. But wow. it kind of you know, there's there's another guy that, and and this guy's also shot some big deer. Um, but you know, he says the same thing. You guys are you know, you guys are you know, echoing the, the same thing. So, so what does that look like? It's October, end of October, early November. When do you guys get to stand? You hunt morning, you hunt day. You hunt night, you hunting all day. What are you doing? <laughs> Not all day, that's for sure. Oh, I, you know, um, well, I and, think, and, that, and maybe we should say real quick, we're blessed that we're sitting here in you know a place where you know top three states, five states for sure, arguably produce year in year out the biggest deer, and we're in an area where there are big deer. Right. So we're very lucky. We're very blessed. We know that we're not going on a two week hunt. So we know the two week hunt's a completely different deal, or a you know a five day hunt or a three day hunt. You know, it's a completely different deal. We're talking just to you know the the guy that you know what what you guys are doing is for you're shooting you're looking to shoot a two hundred, but for a guy a, a monster deer for somebody else one thirty five whatever you know that's just a it's just a number. It's still sure. about the experience in the hunt. So yeah. So what what does it look like? Well. You know, luckily for us, you know, Kevin and I have been hunting together since, oh, I was probably 18, 19 years old, something like that. And you're older than dirt. So. And you know, <laughs> he's turned into stone. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he was born when Hector was a pup. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we we pretty much, I mean, Kevin is, a, is probably is the best bow hunter I've ever been around hands down and uh there's a lot of people think that i am and i'm not i don't even i don't touch what he you know what he does i mean he's he's ate up with it and he lives it and and uh i try to as much as i can i mean i do it more than 95 percent of most other people Mm -hmm. so that's you know a lot of the key too you know you have to this, you know, you got guys say, "Hey, well, heck, man, let me hunt down there. Let me shoot one of them." Well, yeah, it'd be nice if you could just come down and shoot one. But, you know, just like for example, this year, I mean, I've hunted, you know, start hunting the last two days of October, and you hunt every day, morning and evening, until you get the deer you're after. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some something may come up where I, you know, I've got something to do with business or whatever, but. Most of the time, you know, I've had more interruptions this year than normal, but I think I had about 10 days that I couldn't hunt mm-hmm. either one set or the other and in a probably five or six days where I couldn't hunt both. But until in October, until, you know, just basically last Sunday, I finally shot, you know, a deer, mm-hmm. but I've hunted pretty much every day. And, you know, Kevin's the same way. He'll go out and he'll hunt every day. You know, of course, when you have jobs and things like that, a lot you only have so much time. You know, he he's you know for years he saved all his vacation time yep. and he'd burn it all on deer hunting pretty much. Yep. And some guys, guys get like lucky that. and get one early and have some vacation time left over. Yeah. But it's you know when you start, it's one of them deals. You start and you go hard and you up. don't lay it let up, and you you got to play the wind. Even though you you got to use your scent control. But even with scent control, you still got to you know use the wind, you be, and you got to you know like say the time you know where you go in and go out. I mean, there's just so many things, attention to detail. You know, walking in, you know, 
from from the road half a mile in or a mile in or three quarter mile in instead of trying to drive halfway up there or drive your four wheeler you know those are the kinds of things that that don't work you know you have to go the extra mile and extra effort to make these things happen or you know you're not going to have success i mean it's 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 hard work it's not easy and it's dedication you know mm -hmm. and a lot of people just don't have the, either the willpower or the time or both yeah. and or the knowledge you know and maybe well, all that's what we're trying to uh, so now we're trying to help we're trying to help our listeners out there right you know we're trying to give them that knowledge yeah. trying you know you got an opportunity right here you're, listening, you're talking to a couple guys like i said you, you guys have both shot not only one 200 class deer but you've shot more than one 200 class deer with archery i mean that's 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 that that right there alone speaks for itself so so you're hunting sounds like as much as you possibly can morning day you know morning and evening doesn't matter you know whatever it is obviously from what you've just said and and i know you guys wind stand placement wind is a huge thing you know some um, some beginners may not understand that you know but any seasoned bow hunter gun hunter anything knows the wind is your worst enemy if you don't utilize it right you know so even with scent control clothing deer get down one of you they're gonna smell you maybe not i mean i've had them downwind of me and never even know i was there but lots of times they'll stop start throwing their nose in the air you know and they got big for a reason yep and uh you know, sometimes they come in and and uh, Jeff and I are very particular about staying scent free. But I've had them come in downwind. As soon as they hit downwind, boy, they turn around, and take off. Something's not right. They yeah. know that's that's so, their living room. That's their kitchen. Yep. That's their bedroom. They know something isn't right. And yeah. when you're going in, you're doing everything you can to try and leave it as not mess up the curtains or put a fingerprint. You know. And you can have a you know 150 inch deer come walking right down window. You go right by you. Now and you're like, oh, cool, I'm good. You know he didn't mm -hmm. even smell me. And you get a freaking old 175, 180 deer. He'll come in, just slam on the brakes, and turn around and go the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, right five minutes, ten minutes after that one. Yeah, it's like what in the world? These these big ones, they they got big. They for a they the, any little slight thing, they just they're wary of. And so even another thing people make mistakes of is getting into your stand. You know, yeah. you got to still think about the wind. Am I going to walk a half mile in? So you're not taking with the wind the same, blowing into the cover that I'm going to be hunting. I'm I'm know? I'm assuming your seasoned hunters. You're going to to look at the wind, and there's going to be times where you're not going to hunt that stand because the wind just isn't right. Right. But exactly. even with that, that wind's going to vary, and you know that you know the ground, you know the the terrain, you know where it lays, so you know, for the most part, you know kind of where the where the lofts are and where the you know where it's going to spin and and cycle, you know, and circle. Excuse me. So when you're going into your stand based upon the wind, you're also paying attention to that. It sounds like. Yeah, you have to because you'll. It's the same deal. I mean, you can't walk along the cover you're going to hunt with the wind blowing into it, you know, from, from you to the cover, mm -hmm. even if you're a ways out a lot of times, right. depending on the strength of the wind, obviously. I mean, if it's barely, you know, you got four or five mile an hour wind, you could probably get by with it if you're a couple, 300 yards out, maybe, probably. Mm -hmm. But if it's a 10, 15, 20 mile an hour wind, no. 
Yeah. You know, so you got to reroute, you know, the way you get into places and things like that too sometimes. So another question that, you know, for our listeners out there, stands, blinds, both, ground, ground blind, what? I prefer. All bets are off. I prefer stands myself Mm -hmm. by far. Uh, Either hang-ons, ladders. um, I even hunt out a. Crotch stands that you just I stick just down gonna, the fork you, of a tree. I was going to ask if either one of you had done. I've shot a new, lot of deer out of a crotch the stand. New, uh, They're not comfortable. I say new, but it's yeah. this. Was it sling? Uh, the the sling stands or what is uh, the saddles. saddles? Thank you. Yeah, uh-huh. we've. I've got. We a, haven't used those. We've looked at those. You know, I'm trying to figure out. I've how got that a. Sucker's I've got work. a family member, and he's he's eight up young, mm-hmm. and he loves it. You know yeah. now. Now, one thing I would tell you with regards to those saddles, I, I don't think there's a popular around here, and that's why I was, I was uh, reaching for the name, because where I think they're more popular is, you know, where you're back east, where there's a lot more trees, there's a lot more uh, hunting pressure, you know, just the, the, na- the, the setup, if you will, or the, 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 the whole geography, if you will, is different. But, right. Um, so hunting from a stand, do you guys find yourself putting the same – that's using the same tree year in year out or leaving that and or leaving that stand up all year long or or you know some people leave them up all year long but you may not want to for you know for the wear and tear on the stand but but are you using the same stand um and how do you choose your stand i mean i know you know there's a lot of different different schools of theory out there but terrain pinch points what what are you looking at that's that's a big thing i mean when i'm when I'm scouting an area, I'm looking for, obviously, you know, you're going to find trails, um, pinch points, funnels, uh, corners like in a big timber where there's a crop field and the timber goes down one side of it and cuts and goes the other way. Right in that corner is a really good area to put up a stand because them deer come down that timber and they cut through that corner, you know, mm-hmm. if they're staying in the timber or they'll cut across it in the edge of the field. But, um, I don't know. I guess over the years, um, sometimes I just go in there and I see a spot. Oh, man, this looks awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wind up putting a stand there. And it's not always in the right spot, but usually it's close. You know, I can put a stand up there. I, and several times I've hung a stand and um, seen deer 50, 60 yards away keep going through the same area so i'll move that stand mm-hmm. but at least i've got in there close enough where i can see what's going on you know and, and occasionally i get it right <laughs> right well you know, and, so. and for our listeners out there you know i know we've all walked in the woods and stuff the, the three of us have all walked in the woods and stuff and you see those highways i mean they're just they're just beat down sure and then you go put your you know you put your stand where you think it's the best spot mm-hmm. and you're not seeing anything or, or it's not what you're, but like you're saying, you'll see somewhere different. It's not just deer that are walking on those trails. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, so. or you put it there and the deer are never on that trail. Just some random path. You know, one of, one of the best times to actually scout it will, uh, is after deer season's over, um, say January and February when it's bitter cold and, and mm-hmm. you know, and of course all the leaves are still gone um, those are really good times to go in and scout an area for the next year. You can see so much more without the, all this undergrowth and the green and, and everything. So, um, you know, as, as far as that goes, I'm, I'm not against, uh, going in and scouting. Of course, 
we've got so many stands up, you know, and, and the majority of them are in really good spots, you know, so. I know for myself personally, one of the first things I do, I'd look, I'd pinch points. I like pinch points. Yes, because they're good. Because, I mean, at least in my experience, you've got, you know, these deer, I mean, they're, they're not always going to follow that trail, you know, at least I, I, I find that to be the case. Mm-hmm. But when you have that pinch point, you're still putting everything in your favor because they're pinched down to there. So while they may not be right there on that trail where you wanted, they're still in that area and you've got yourself an opportunity. Um, I, that's at least something that I really look for, especially when I get right. a new piece of ground. I'm first thing I'm looking at. And, and, and again, I'm kind of showing my age here is, is that I can remember before we had, you know, the, the technology we have now right in our hand with, with all these, you know, Google maps and on X and, and all that stuff is I'd, I would go get a friend that, you know, he was a pilot and say, Hey, take me up. I want to see what the train looks like. I want to see what it looks like from up above mm-hmm. and, you know, topographical mass and stuff. And again, around here, we don't have a lot of elevation change. It's very, very minimal, but boy, that picture from up above is a completely different deal. And, and I would tell you that from, from that experience, that was better than the, you know, you get from the G from the, the, the satellite imagery, but you, you learned a lot. I did you sure. know, going up and doing that. So, yeah. um, I'm assuming you guys use that, that even though it's your ground, even though, you know, you're born and raised here, you kind of know the area real well, you know, that kind of stuff. You, you use the, that every, every tool to your advantage. Right. Yeah. Well, I've, I've pretty much walked everything we have from one end to the other. And probably more than once, right. you know. So um, I get a pretty good idea just walking in there, you know, um, looking for sign and, and like you say, pinch points, funnels, trails. They all play a part in it. So um, I do a lot of scouting, a lot of walking. Well, I'll tell you, you know, a good way to scout too is, you know, we do a lot of bird hunting too, pheasant mm-hmm. quail. And, and I mean – we hunt this same ground for pheasant and quail, and that's you get to walk through everything there. You know, right. You so now learn a lot even doing that. And and I know that because we know each other personally. Are you hunting that 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 ground if if number one, two, or three is still on the list? If it's after the season, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say that because I remember when I was first cutting my teeth in this in this you know hunting world, bow hunting world is. I had a really, really good friend of mine. He's shot some big deer, too. He said, you want to know the best day of the year to hunt is opening opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and you know, them deer, those deer, they're getting bumped and moved. And, yeah. you know, there's guys out there. And, you know, the, the, They'll push the, them into you. The upland game, I mean, the upland bird hunting is, uh, has changed here a little bit with regards to. It's not to, near as much pressure here right. as it used it to used be. It used to be, you know, back in the, you know, late. Late '90s and well, and early 2000s. I mean, we just you know you could go out and pretty much didn't matter what the field was. You were shooting. You were getting into pheasant and quail in the same field, and it wasn't hard to shoot a limit. Still, you could still you know squeak out or you know eke out a, a limit, but you're going to put some some legwork in. And I guess you know to kind of touch back on that, that was without a dog. You were able to do it. Now you definitely mm-hmm. going to have to have a dog, and the numbers are down. But you're not hunting that ground. You mean, of course, you have the the, the benefit because you own the ground um, that you're not you're not you're, you're not upland bird hunting it um, unless you've you filled your tag. So, I'm a, am I going to assume that 
you're sitting in the tree stand during bird season if you still if you still have a tag. Yep. Yes. Yeah. In fact, we'll we won't even bird hunt that property until after rifle season, even if we've harvested a deer, because we don't want to push them into somebody else's. Hey, great property. point. Never thought yeah. of that. You know, we'll we'll just stay out of all that stuff until after rifle season's over. Kind of give them a sanctuary. And yeah, and that leaves you know keeps you from. Well, it does two things. It lets everybody else push them into you, and then you aren't pushing them onto somebody else and risking you know getting them shot so yeah and that's another thing i was gonna say too another good time to hunt is about the last day of rifle season if your property i mean like what we do we don't walk it and push it and things like that we you know set in blinds and stands period but you know come the last weekend there's a lot of guys get desperate and they'll go push stuff and walk yeah, so it. they're gonna they're they last get last day and they're trying up, to fill their tag you know? yeah I mean, we'll get a lot of our properties will get loaded up with deer because everybody else has pushed them out of theirs so. yeah great great point so with regards to your properties um do you do you plant food plots do you go into the actually into the timber if you will you know the lay of the land around here we have a lot of 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 tillable ground and, you know, there's a lot of creeks, and we have three rivers that run through this area. Um, so when we say we have heavy timber, our heavy timber and the heavy timber from, you know, say down south or, you know, up in Michigan stuff, that's a totally different deal. A big, yep. big timber here, man, if you can find 10 or 20 acres of timber, that's big timber around right. here. That's a, yeah. that's a monster amount. Um, yeah, and, them guys, like the Connecticut guys, for example, they, they think this is easy hunting back here compared to what they got. They say, you know, because they're, they're hunting big woods. You know, there's no right. pinch points. There's no, you know, edges. There's nothing. It's just timber, you mm -hmm. know. And you yeah, gotta, what they say, there's no pattern to the deer there. They yeah, just, wander. just wander around. You so know? you so, can't really pattern in the deer there. Yeah. And <laughs> they said they may sit a week and see one deer. Wow, yeah. you know, yeah, and, to, and to, to shed light again on our to our to our listeners, um, man, I don't I don't know that from memory, and and I don't have access to the to the ground deer ground that I nearly that I did, but I don't know from memory that I can remember a time that I went and sat in a stand and didn't see one deer, at least one. Right, it's a rare occasion yeah. for sure. Yeah, when you, it, it it's almost I think amongst my buddies and and. And, and and associates and friends and you know even here in the shop and stuff that's almost as rare as seeing a booner i mean so we're pretty lucky that right, we have right. that yep. and, and i don't think it's necessarily that we we have more deer numbers than those than they have in those places but like you're saying everything is a pinch point yep. because you know we're hunting creeks yep. and stuff like that but but to to my point in your timber area or in those those little areas there's there's obviously um little little areas of you know a half acre or less or an acre or less that that isn't going to have ever been tilled or it's not readily accessible by a you know by a by a tractor an implement or whatever are you going into those areas by whatever means be it you know four-wheeler be a small tractor um, or just even by hand and and planting food plots you know we I've been doing food plots for, for I don't know, probably 25, 30 years. Since before food plots was a thing. Yep. And it mainly started out with clover patches. I mean, when I was a kid, we'd, we'd take all the leftover 
milo and corn and beans and put it in a planter and that place out in the plant hills that you know my in-laws ranched and so yeah. we had a little we made a little food plot down there by the by the cottonwood river and uh planted about a five acre plot you know of all the leftover seed and i mean to tell you it was unbelievable all the wildlife that came into that mm -hmm. thing i mean it was just free it was just awesome you yeah. know and so i learned at a young age that was a great thing to do so started trying to do as much as you know as could you know when i had my own stuff and uh of course not everybody has that opportunity you know right. not everybody can you know listen here and probably a majority probably don't own their own property and i didn't either you know i was i i didn't have the the money to buy land back then and i guess you know it's kind of odd but it when I moved here, you know, I was grew up in western Kansas, and mm -hmm. I had I could hunt three counties. You know, I had permission with right. you know, three counties to hunt thousands of acres, and so it wasn't a big problem. But then I moved here and didn't know anybody, and I didn't have permission to hunt anywhere. And I, I got a rude awakening when I moved here of how hard it was going to be to try to hunt. And so right, that kind of drove me. I'm like, okay, well, I've got to do something about this. I've got to buy my own stuff or, or lease it or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that, so, that that landscape has changed yeah. immensely in this in this local area here. And I'd kind of touched base on it in, you know, on previous podcasts, but yeah, I can I can remember you know, when I first started hunting, um when I went off to college, so to say, I I could count on one hand the number of places in this entire county that I didn't have permission and and I when I said I had I had, I couldn't get permission there was no such thing as even written permission. It was just, oh, that's you know, that's Kip and his family. Hey, yeah. you're good to go. Mm -hmm. To now, I can I can count on one hand and have fingers left over that I can hunt on, right. and it's just completely <clears throat> yeah. that's changed. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's yet another reason why we're wanting to get as much information away from um, from guys like you and and out to our listeners to to kind of help them parlay that into success. Yep. Well, and it started out for me, you know, I just got it, you know, my neighbor was, he was a wealthy individual and bought up a bunch of land around me, you know, where I lived out in the country, and uh, I got to talking to him, and he was, uh, he was in, like, the hunting side of things, but he was too busy to do anything with it, and so I just offered to manage it, mm -hmm. and told him, well, everything I could do, you know, as far as food plots, and, you know, putting in CRP and filter strips and things like that on his property and so that's how i kind of got started with it and he let me do it for a few years and of course it all changed over time unfortunately when you are on somebody else's property a lot of times that'll happen yeah, you don't have full say and so it worked good it you know started out that place i hunted you know everybody and their dog hunted it there wasn't that many good deer in there there's occasionally some but it had been run over with the locals, you know, with the mm -hmm. just hunting. Anybody, they let anybody hunt prior to him buying it. And then, of course, it had cattle run on the whole thing, you right. know, all over the, the, the creek and everything for years. And that all stopped. So we, you know, stopped all that and got the people off there. Of course, they thought I was the devil, you know, because we wouldn't let anybody hunt there anymore. And But it took about four or five years, and I, you know, planted some some clover patches got that's when the whitetail institute first started yeah coming out marketing you know, and, come out, yeah. and making this clover and I, I thought man that's a good idea so i got some of that and <coughs> excuse me i put that in 
couple spots. And I think I still have those same two of those same clover patches I put in 25, 20, That's 25 awesome. years ago. And of course you overseed, you overseed them and things like that and take mm -hmm. care of them. They'll last. You got to keep maintaining them, but that's how it kind of all started, you know, was with, with clover patches and then getting the guys farming it to leave, you know, a width of a head or width of Milo or, you know, things like that you can do if you can talk them into it or help pay for it or mm -hmm. things like that, you know, if it's not your own property. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously when you get your own property, then you can do what you want as long as you can afford to do it. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so uh, back to uh, talking about stand placement and stuff like that, are you, uh, are you identifying bedding grounds? Are you identifying um, corridors? Are you guys identifying feed? Are you... Um, you know, obviously you kind of talked about you're, you're looking at patterns. Um, where are you setting your stands? Do you have a morning stand and a night stand, or do you hunt the same stand if the wind conditions don't change and you know, you know, one of those top three dudes is in there? Are you hunting that same stand morning and night, or can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, we, we, we'll hunt the same stands morning or evening depends on the situation i mean we have we like to move around a lot too though we don't just you know we've got gosh i don't even know how many stands we got up but we um we hop around but um if if we know there's a good deer in there and he's right in this area we'll hunt that same stand morning and evening and and we'll do that for a little while and don't see him we move to another stand hunt that um as long as the wind's right of course um so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it varies, just depends on the day, I guess, you know, yeah. and what's going on. So. You're taking into account all the elements and everything. Yeah. With regards to temperature, I mean, you know, again, it's Kansas, we can have a 70 degree swing and I'm not exaggerating. Right. In 24 <laughs> hours. Um, so if it's just bitter cold, I mean, we're talking, you know, well, last year, was it last winter, the winter before we had, and it was, I think it was two winters ago that it was, it was below freezing for 25 or 30 days. And there was several days in there where the low was in negative double digits. Mm -hmm. Are you guys sitting out on that stand? I already had my deer, so I didn't. <laughs> but would you have? Uh, I, yeah, I would. Yep. Yeah, you're eight up. I would, definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 So dedication, I mean, that's. Yeah. It I sound, mean, you don't. I mean, you're out there every day until you get that deer year after period. I mean, that's that's. I mean, I've that, I've taken. There's been seasons where I've hunted literally from the end of October to the end of December and not missed maybe one or two or three or four days. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you're hunting morning and night on those. Sometimes or? both. Sometimes just one or the other, but at least once during that time period. Yeah. You know, like I say, you st I still got to do some work and things like right. that. So a lot of times I'll, you know, like early on when I had limited time, you know, I had to had to work and I had vacation time. I'd burn my vacation morning and night, you know, morning and evening. But then after I ran out of vacation, well, I'd either hunt the evening or, or the morning based on what time I was working. You know, some mm -hmm. jobs I had, you know, second shift or a third shift job or 
you know, whatever, and I could hunt one or the other, you know. Yeah, so you're setting yourself up. You're, you're, I mean, I can relate to that, you know, in my, you know, so to say, previous life before, um, you know, I grew up, got a wife, kids, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I would set my, my work schedule. I was, I was the manager of a, of a place, and I'd set my work schedule up from, from about, you know, late October until February, you know, early February, you know, for around hunting season. And I would schedule, you know, the staff. And I was still putting in my, you know, 45 to 55 hours a week at my job. But I was scheduling it so that way I could put myself in the best position I possibly could. So, And, you know, like I say, there's there's very not a lot of people that can do that because you got there's a lot of variables when it comes to that because you got to have, A, the dedication from yourself. And if you're married, you got to have a spouse that understands. Amen. And those yeah. are tough. That's a tough yeah. deal. Luckily, I have one of those. <laughs> Amen. Kevin has had experience with that, and he's a single man still. So <laughs> he, 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 he's his number one priority yeah. is still deer hunting. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've made women really mad because I burned my vacation for hunting and not going to New Mexico or down to Mexico and <laughs> Cancun. Or <laughs> yeah, you're not on the beach. They don't understand. They, <laughs> they just, just don't understand. You're ate up. It's a tough gig sometimes. Yeah, but. yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, just fortunate to to have a wife that yeah, I'm, I'm deals the same with that. Way. My wife's very yeah. understanding. She'll come home and and are you going hunting? No. Well, then I don't want to hear that you didn't go hunting because you decided to work or whatever. You know, yeah. we started yeah. starting this. You know, starting pattern string. It's it's li- really buckled me down. This year, especially, um, and you know, my the reason we're doing this is that at least I'm, I'm I, I can relate to you, Jeff, with regards. I, I'm going to do something that's going to change this, and and um, you know, so this uh, this is a, a second business or a third business, if you will, for me. But um, I can assure you that I'm not I'm doing this with a long term goal, um, which hopefully that long term is next year. That I'm going to spend a lot more time out there in the woods and 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 get back into the swing of things because this year i didn't spend nearly enough that i wanted to um but i really just want to tell you guys i really appreciate you guys being on here man it's just you guys are a wealth of knowledge um i can't um tell you how much it means to us you know here at powder strings to try and get that information that's what we want to do we want to get that information out to you know the guy that's just getting started and you know if if, if we're going to you know sit here and be real honest you know what we just sit here and talked about nonchalantly um, over for an hour about is something that is a, a sport or a lifestyle that's that's shrinking, right. and you know if we don't get the younger people out there and 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 the people that are getting even if they're not younger even if they're starting at you know forty five fifty or fifty five first time going out you you the, to have that success to get that to get ate up like you right. know, like right like, you know to get that that bug if you will and and feel that then you know this thing you know is, it's going to go away at some point and that's and I, and I i know without even asking i speak for you guys you feel the same way i do man it's i know jeff um and kevin both give back to youth hunts and 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 national wild turkey federation both big uh you know kevin's sitting here he's wearing a ducks unlimited shirt i'm um, same way very big about that kind of stuff so you know that's why we're doing these podcasters we want to get information out to the guy that girl kid um you know that's just getting started as well as the seasoned hunter and so i just can't tell you much 
how much it means to us. We appreciate it. Glad you guys were on here. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Yeah. Right. Powder String Outfitters, downtown Wellington, Kansas, your hometown shop. Mm-hmm.